Uh, okay, so what we're going to do this session is uh, follow on from, um, from the first few verses of 1 Peter 2 and uh, look at verses 4 to 5 of 1 Peter 2. It actually occurred to me when I, was, um, when I was getting ready for the weekend, I don't think I've ever heard actually anybody really preach on the first three verses of that chapter. Um, I don't think, I might be wrong, but most of the time when you, when you go to a church or if you have a guest speaker and they say, turn to 1 Peter 2, you can pretty much guarantee that they're going to be starting from where I'm starting now. And they don't tend to go near that bit for some reason. I don't know whether it just feels like there's too many kind of spiritual landmines. You know, you're going to tread on one that's going to blow you, splatter you everywhere somehow. Um, so, uh, so we've been there. We've done it. Hey, we start off, bang, let's, uh, let's crack on. Um, I didn't want to do the kind of classic youth weekend or you know, church weekend thing where you gradually build up to the last weekend, the last night or the last session, and that's when you get it and you go for a response and you know, everybody kind of piles forwards or whatever. Um, at least if you start there, you've got a weekend of, of doing grace with one another, which is amazing. That's, that's the goal. Um, so grab the opportunity, seize it with both hands, and, uh, and, and go for it. Right, so uh, again, let's have the scripture up on the screen. 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 5. Uh, I'll read and pray, and we'll, we'll belt on in. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Let's pray for a moment. Jesus, uh, we thank you that you are intent on shaping and transforming us and uh, we thank you that our lives are headed for resurrection our lives are headed for new heavens and earth and uh, Lord let this morning be about cutting away stuff that just doesn't belong in new heavens and new earth things that don't belong with where we're headed to Uh, Lord we want to live that future life uh, more and more by the power of the spirit in the presence Um, teach us what that means, teach us how to do that, teach us how to build in that way with eyes on where we're headed, Uh, not eyes on just where our feet are right this minute. And uh, we ask for your, uh, again, your presence to impact our lives, change our hearts through your words. Help me, Lord, uh, to to rein in caffeine, caffeine, uh, hyper, whatever it is, (laughs) and uh, to to be articulate. Lord, I pray that you would bless and build and do good to us now. Amen. Amen. Right. So, uh, what did you put in that? <laughs> Sheesh. Johnny Jarvis, like a spoonful of cocaine instead of sugar or something. <laughs> That's why you like it so much. <laughs> it's just me. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, you guys are hardcore with it. So, what, what, what I want to do today then is begin... This second session, looking at Christ, our cornerstone. Peter talks about uh, Jesus, uh, a precious cornerstone, uh, precious to God, rejected by men. Um, and so what I want to talk about is just the fact that we build church on Jesus. And that seems like a total no-brainer. Uh, it's one of those things that Basil Fawlty would say, stating the bleeding obvious, you know, because it's, you know, oh, of course it's Jesus. But, but what does it mean to, to build on Jesus as a, as a foundation, as a cornerstone? Well, it means that everything in church life needs to look like or be shaped by or directed by Jesus, who he is, what he's about, the apostolic teaching and preaching about Jesus, what he's going to be, what he is now, what all creation will say he is in the future. To have him as the cornerstone 
means a couple of things. It means that he sets the direction and he sets the shape. He sets the, the whole thing. So the way the structure builds up with the cornerstone is that the, the cornerstone sets the, the, the shape that it takes and it also sets the way that you build as well. So we're, we're building on Jesus. And there's a whole bunch of things that we might think that we, that we build on. And we maybe would say like, mentally, yes, well, we agree with that. But then we can go ahead and build in a whole bunch of other different ways. Uh, and so what I wanted to do was start looking at ways in which maybe we, we are thinking that we're building on Jesus, but really we're not building on Jesus. Uh, so as we look at Christ, our cornerstone, I'll keep that in mind. We're building on Christ. It's about him. Our, our lives are being transformed and shaped and conformed to him together. Remember growing up into salvation together on the cornerstone, the foundation of Jesus. Let's look at what... The second thing, second slide up, what are you building on? This is a bit of a health check moment. Because we can build on all kinds of things. And I want to just find out, are you building on Jesus or are you building on other stuff? Because it's easy just to get swept along in church life. It's really easy to think, well, yeah, we're building on Jesus. But then really to find, hang on a minute, somewhere along the line, we realize we weren't building on Jesus after all. So the first one we might be building on is people. We might be building on relationships with people and not first on Jesus. Now, we build with people, don't get me wrong, and people are important and the the church is community and relationship as we build on Jesus, but we can wrongly build on people. Let me tell you why that's the case. Uh, I'll give you a little story uh, to begin with uh, of uh, uh, friends of ours who who really uh, got into a relationship with with a, a young couple and, uh, and it became quite a close, codependent type of relationship, right? They, they, their, their church attendance and everything was really dependent upon this couple. Uh, and then when the couple left the church, they, the other couple fell away. And they weren't really building on Jesus first. They were building codependently with this other couple. And then it all kind of went wrong and, and, and it sort of dissipated and the relationship broke down and they weren't in the church Right? It's because if you build in a wrong way with people, if that's your foundation, if it's just about, well, I just I need this person, I need this relationship, then if that goes wrong somehow, well, well what happens? If, you, if, if your faith then crumbles, well, you were never actually building on Jesus in that case. You were just building on some kind of, you know, some sort of relationship. It can go a couple of ways. You can build wrongly on people by being really weak and needy and dependent, but it can also work with strength as well. So you can build with people, I've got, I need that relationship. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have you. And the whole relationship is based on you sucking from somebody else, sucking life out of them, calling them all the time, writing them, emailing them, wanting their time. <laughs> take, 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 suck, 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 suck. And, uh, and, and you're basing your whole faith and building your existence in church on that relationship where you need them. Or some people build in a, in a kind of opposite but similar way, which is from strength. I need to help needy people. <laughs> right? And their whole life in church is about having to do stuff. And I've got to find somebody. I've got to find a needy person. <laughs> I'm going to hunt them out. Where are you? Anybody needy here? And they're looking for someone needy because they're meeting their need by helping somebody who's in need. You get me? Well, they're looking to try and meet some deep-seated thing in them that says, I'm not really a great, worthwhile person if I'm not helping somebody else who's in need right now. 
And so this, this, these two things, and sometimes they get brought together magnetically. So the weak person and the so-called strong person, it's like clang, and then you can't separate them away. And you can't ever get near to really speak into it in terms of discipleship and building on Jesus and building a healthy relationship with one another based on Jesus because it's like, well, their identity and everything is wrapped up in this codependent relationship. And so we, if we build on people that way, it might feel secure to a degree, but you're not really building on Christ as your cornerstone and foundation. We don't disciple people to one another. You know, sometimes in church life, it's like there's this thing of, oh, what's your discipleship program like? And basically it means, well, who can I get to just you know, suck from? Well, we disciple people to Jesus. We're disciples of Jesus, brothers and sisters. First and foremost, that's what we are. Now, people are helpful, and we love people, and we serve them, and we serve one another. But it's interdependent rather than codependent. And when it becomes codependent, we end up not building really on a foundation of Christ. Interdependent does build on a foundation of Jesus, because we say we're in Christ together, and we need one another, and we recognize that. So we help one another from the basis of being rooted and founded in Jesus. There's a big, big difference. The fruit of those two different positions are wildly different. Right? So we build on Christ People, relationships means that we're very, very uh, or we're interdependent rather than codependent. I think Paul puts it like this in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, I think it's verse 13. He says, we, we give thanks for you, brothers, that when you receive the word of God from us, you receive it as it actually is. God's word and not the word of men. <laughs> you think, yes, exactly, that's right. And so he's saying, when, you got, when we came and we preached to you, you received the gospel you weren't suddenly drawn in and it became a personality cult. So, you know, oh, here's our man, Paul, and we follow Paul. And Paul says jump and we say how high and there's this whole kind of deal. You believed the word and you were built on Jesus, the word of God. That was your foundation. That's what we're talking about. So it's not Joe's the CEO here. And he says jump and the elders say, well, how high, Joe? And then they go and boss around small group leaders or life group leaders or whatever or worship leaders. It's relationship, family, foundation of Jesus. And then we love and serve one another out of a place of being rooted in him where we're not clinging to one another as though that's all that counts, but we're helping and serving one another because we're rooted in Christ. Very, very different. So, performance can be a way in which we build wrongly. I think we probably all understand this to some degree uh, where we feel like this this driven thing to, to do well, to perform, to be seen, to be doing well, to be seen, to be involved in church life. I don't know whether it's so much of a deal in Canada. Do you, it's the question, are you, have you been busy? Is that a big question here? People always ask that. Hey, how you doing? Been busy? Do you get that one here? A little? It's, the UK's full of it. It's, like the, it's the qualification for your taking up this particular little piece of space and breathing oxygen is if you can say, yeah, I've been really busy. Oh, good, 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 good for you. <laughs> and and like, there's this whole thing where performance and striving and being busy is, not, is what really, really counts. And sometimes in church life, it's possible to build on a foundation of performance that's just being busy, doing stuff, being involved, the person who's at the heart of everything and is just always doing and you know, their, their wife is gray and balding and freaking out because you know, they're never, you're, you're never there because you're always doing stuff. And you can do that, and it can become the foundation for your life in church. Hence, 
this kind of, it sounds kind of cool and kind of spiritual and kind of, I don't know, like neat and a good idea and one of those kind of Christian-y terms that gets bandied about. So people talk about belonging before believing. You heard that one? You've got to belong, belong before you believe. And, uh, and it sounds great. You, know, you can come and you can be part of the church and you can be involved in the church. You don't have to believe yet. You just have to be among the church. And that's what really counts. Now, to a degree, I think, yeah, that's right. That's fantastic. If you're, like I said at the beginning, if you wouldn't think of yourself as a Christian, you're so welcome. It's great to have you here. I'm sure I'll speak for Joe and Gary and Kevin. It's wonderful to have you amongst the family of God uh, this, uh, this weekend. But ultimately, there's a big difference between people who are Christians and people who are not, which is whether you're founded on Jesus or not. And so you can be in and among the people of God, but maybe not even built on Jesus. You can be in and among and, belo- and be, sort of be part of this thing. You can belong, in a sense, to this kind of community, but not really be believing. And so it's important that you find that your life is built and founded on Jesus first, that will then affect performing. We'll get onto that a little later on. I'll tell you another story about a young guy who came to, uh, moved to York as a student, and he came, he came recommended. Uh, we had uh, a, an email or something or a call from, from one of his elders, the church that he was from. It was a New Frontiers church, um, so part of the same family of churches as us. And this lad came recommended as, as a great guy, um, as someone who's really involved and you know, a real servant. And I was like, oh, that was cool. And he was, a, he was part of the worship team. I thought, cool. But there was a tiny alarm bell ringing at that point um, because I'm a musician and I know what musicians are like. So anyway, uh, this, this young, keen guy rocks up. This first Sunday, he's at uni. At the end of the meeting, he makes a beeline for me. Bang! He's like, hi, how you doing? I'm blah, blah, blah. Introduces himself. Oh, I'd love to be in the worship team. Love to be involved. Really, really want to play. I play guitar. I love guitar. I love being in the worship team. Blah, blah, blah. And he's all sort of hyper and manic and... Uh, I was like, okay, cool. Well, we've just made some changes to the worship team. At the moment, we're, we're restricting it just to people who are committed members of the church, just for the time being, just until we get established, sorted. Um, but I'd love for you to be involved. I'd love for you to maybe do get involved in our membership course, come along, do that Thursdays, be part of us, really get, get, in, get involved, get rooted in. And then, great, yeah, I'm sure it'll be fantastic. Do you know, we saw him like five times in three years. He just disappeared. AWOL. And I realized that his whole Christian life and existence was predicated on what he did on Sunday. He was in the worship team, and his identity and his, his security and his, uh, his, his relation, it was all founded on that. It wasn't rooted on Jesus at all. And so when he came to a new city, a new church, and they didn't suddenly go, yeah, brilliant. Come on, you can, what a, I'll tell you what, why don't you become an elder? Come on, let's go the whole hog. <laughs> he, he, he drifted off because he was never founded really on Jesus as a young guy. Now, I've got no doubt that he's a Christian, but he was, wasn't built on a good foundation. So be, be, belonging before believing, yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to be among us. No, you're not really part of us unless you're built on the same foundation. You know? It doesn't matter how much I want to be part of the royal family. It doesn't make me part of the royal family by going and hanging out with the queen every week. <laughs> because that's what I do. <laughs> Sneak past the beef eaters. <laughs> Ninja outfit on. <laughs> past the corgis. 
Hello, Your Majesty. <laughs> Doesn't work like that. <laughs> or like that. So, uh, you, you've got to be built on Jesus. You're welcome to be among the church. But you're never really part of the church unless you are founded on Jesus. Unless he is Lord, unless you're confessing like Peter did, you are Lord. Then you're not really building with this people. You're among them, but you're not part of this temple, this, this building, this structure that's growing up. It's part of God's plan, okay? So be really careful when it comes to preference, doing things, being involved, being right in stuff. Make sure that your identity, who you are, your sense of worth is rooted in Christ, and everything else will come out of that. Thirdly, you can wrongly build on preferences, and uh, I guess this just is the same the world over. Um, I've spent a fair bit of time in North America uh, and realized that perhaps it's a, a bit more of a, a, a malaise in North America, maybe, maybe than in the UK, the kind of church hop thing, where you're one church for a while, but nah, no, nah, actually, yeah. The kind of kids' ministry didn't really cut it, so I moved somewhere else where the kids' ministry was better. And then, well, hey, they didn't have Tim bits of that one, so we're going to go that one over there. And then, and you can build your whole church life and existence on preference. What do what meets my need? Where do I? Where, where can I find a church where I can sit down, plug in, and extract? And I, I never have to give anything back because well, church is surely about what, what I get. You know, it's interesting if you call this a service, then you're missing the point a little bit. Because a service means you sit down and someone serves you and you, spoon, you get spoon-fed. The worship, the teaching, I don't participate. I just get, I get fed. I get spoon-fed. Um, 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 thank you very much. Mm, it didn't taste too good this week. Maybe I'll go somewhere else next week. We call it a meeting because together we meet with God and we serve one another. Anyway, I'm probably digressing a little bit. So you find preference becomes the thing that you build on. Your foundation is preference. So maybe you hear things like this. I want preaching that's biblical but not too long or too challenging. Worship like Bethel but with slightly less charismatic stuff. Small groups that I can opt in or out of and not really have to be committed to. And of course a kid's word that absolves me of any responsibility whatsoever to actually have a discipleship relationship with my own son or daughter and uh, simultaneously allow me to blame someone when they go off the rails some point later on in their teenage years. And uh, oh of course there must be good coffee when I turn up on Sundays. And that's what you're looking for. For. preference, preference, choice, what I want. Church is a supermarket, and I get to opt in, out, I choose. Meh. Don't build like that. Don't build like that. That's just the spirit of the age. It's got nothing in common with the spirit of Christ whatsoever. You build on Jesus. You build on that foundation. And then we're going to look in a little bit how that affects all these different areas. Now, Listen carefully. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have an opinion about what church you join. But I'm saying that if your opinion is all based on what I can get out of this, then you're thinking wrong. Uh, And you need to adjust your thinking a little bit. Maybe you're new to the meeting place. Maybe you're in that place exactly. You just think, well, here's a big church where I can slink in, enjoy the benefits without having to really be part of the community. Let me say you need to get into the community. You need to make a choice. You need to say, I'm going to give myself to this. Because as an elder of a church, I'll tell you what, the elders of this church, they're not looking for bit part players. They're not looking for people that they've got to carry everywhere. Oh, come on. They're leaders who are looking for you to join with them as they build on Jesus and build this great church in Fredericton that impacts the city, the, the, the province, the nation, and the nations. And there's going to be more involved with that than just rocking up on Sunday and taking 
It's going to require everything you've got. <laughs> but there's adventure and there's grace and there's growth. So sign in, sign up, tell them, I'm with you. And I love it when people come and say, I'm with you, heart and soul. I once said that to a leader and felt so stirred that God wants me to tell this guy I'm with him, heart and soul. And then thought, no, I can't do that. That just seems really contrived and really rubbish. And, and then listening to him preach, and three times he used that phrase. <laughs> People who say, I'm with you, heart and soul. I was like, ah, God's got me. And so I, I did, I said it, and we had this incredible conversation. And do you know, amazingly, that opened the door then from part of us moving away and leading a church where then you were calling people to do that very same thing. You were asking people, come on, build with us as we build on Christ. Build with us, work with us as we build on this great foundation of Jesus, as we work not for our own glory, not to make some great thing for us, but as we look to build a church, a community that is a foretaste of new heavens and earth right here now in the city. Work with us to that end. That's what it means to be part of the church. It's not, well, I get my preference. It's not, well, what can I do? How can I just find my identity in serving? It's not about, well, I just need some people to suck from. No. Build on Jesus, build on that foundation. He sets the tone, he sets the direction, the shape, and the church is built. So, are you with me? Yeah. Am I going a bit too quick? No? All right, okay, cool. Secondly, Christ, our corporate identity. Christ, our corporate identity. Um, we touched on this probably briefly in the, uh, the previous session. Um, it's very easy, I think, to to miss the corporateness of the the scriptures. Uh, I mentioned in passing that that Jesus, as the Jewish Messiah, represents his people. He represents a whole people. He stands for them. He's the representative. Hebrews talks about Jesus as a great high priest who represents us before the Father. And so what we find then as we build church is that it's not just about a bunch of isolated egos, but together we are Christ. Together, the body of Christ, all right? That's the metaphor that Paul uses for the church, the body. So it means that we're being formed personally as we build on Christ, but we're being formed corporately as Christ, which is kind of hard to grasp because it's like, well, hang on a minute. I, I, but I thought it's me and it's Jesus, and how does, this, how does this work? Well, what it means is that we, we build together. Paul Peter says that we're living stones, As we come to Jesus, who is the living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you also, like living stones, are being built together to become a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You're growing up to be a holy priesthood, a temple, a place where God dwells. There's this corporate identity, and that corporate identity is Jesus Now, what it means is that you are being built with people, and you don't get to choose who those people are. As you build on the foundation of Jesus, you are being built alongside people who are wildly different to you in terms of preference, age, stage of life, family, jobs, preferences, cultures, hobbies, whatever else it is. You are being built together. Now, you don't find bricks in a house or in a temple kind of going, um, can I, I want to move. (laughs) I, I don't like this wall. I, I want to be in another wall. I want to be with other bricks. I want to, these bricks don't suit me at all. <laughs> well, it's rubbish, isn't it? It's nonsense. You don't find that. And so we don't get to choose who we are being built with because actually this whole thing is Christ. We're being built up as Christ together. Now, when you build on a foundation, a cornerstone of Jesus, 
he sets the agenda and the tone. And he also, it, 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 it makes a, a massive impact on the way that you build with other bricks, other living stones, right? Your relationship with one another, with other people, is, is, is defined by your relationship with Jesus and with the other people. So it's not, well, it's not just like, well, it's me on my own and I do my thing. Uh, and it, it's about how you build with people who are Christ to you as well. Paul, uh, Paul puts it like this in Colossians 3. Christ is all and in all. Now, that, that's huge. That's absolutely massive. It means the person sitting next to you, you get to be Christ to them, and they get to be Christ to you because Christ is in all. Christ is in that person. And Christ is all. So when you, when you put your hands in the air and you worship Jesus like this and you sing and you worship and, oh, thank you, Lord, but you despise your brother or sister, you're kind of making this really bizarre statement that, well, Jesus is there, but Jesus isn't here. But the New Testament says, no, Christ is all and in all. And so you're building this thing, this body of Christ, this church, where everybody, you, re- you need to regard them as Christ. They are Christ to you. So how do you treat Jesus? How do you honor him? Do you reverence him? Do you love him? Do you serve him? Yes. So you love and you reverence and you honor one another as Christ. Right? Is this, hitting, is this making sense to you? Right? It's not just, well, I have a relationship with Jesus and then it doesn't matter what I do with other people. You're building together as living stones on this foundation of Jesus, which means that you get to be Jesus to one another in the deepest, most profound way. Living stones made alive in him and building together. So relationships counts hugely in the life of the church. How you relate to one another. That's why we began this morning with the stuff that blows up community. Because it's, it's building Christ together. We build the church together living stones, Christ to one another. That's what God is building here. That's what we get to participate in. Building relationally like that has a massive impact on the way that you think about gifting and serving. It has a massive impact on, uh, on considering what God has called you to do. And it has a massive impact on considering where God has called you to be. Because suddenly you find that it's no longer just about me and what God says to me, and it's about my personal thing. But you discover your gifting, you discover who you are, your calling, your gifting, in the context of a community. Right? You discover what you have got to offer and give in the context of this thing of being built together with other living stones. And so it doesn't work in this way. When people turn up at a church and they announce their gifting, here I am, I've arrived. <laughs> Like, you know, that kind of deal. People show up, I've got this gifting. And, and I've experienced it again and again when people come and I'm, I'm just thinking, no, you're not going to be here for very long. <laughs> because you, you want to come in and you want to get on the platform. And it's funny, it's often singers. What is it with singers? Like they want to come and they want to be on a platform. They've got this gifting. It's going to change the world. I think I could really help you. And it's this kind of double-edged thing. You're thinking, Right, are you saying you want to help us because you want to be part of us? Or are you saying you think that our worship team sucks? <laughs> and you're the great white hope somehow. And the answer to that is always, look, you've got to get rooted into community. First, I want to know, are you built on Jesus at all? Are you a Christian? Do you love him? Are you building your life on him? And then it's going to be, you need to build with other people. You need to build with, with bricks, living stones, in relationship with them. Because this thing is not just a kind of pile of bricks. This thing is something that God is building. And it means that you're, it's, it's in relationship with the cornerstone and with other bricks. 
other living stones, that your gift and ability and call is going to emerge. Do you want, I want you to understand that. It's not just when I come with my thing and try and fit in. God builds us together, and who we are only makes sense in the context of the foundation stone first and the other stones and bricks around us as well. That's so important. Sometimes we're looking to try, well, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Ignoring the kind of relational stuff. But when you give attention to building with people, next to people on a foundation of Jesus, that's when stuff emerges. So don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a tearing hurry to get in, get involved, do my thing. Get involved, serve, love, build relationally, and then see what emerges out of that. See what God does, what emerges out of those kinds of relationships. Right, okay. So we're going to look at, yes, here we are. All right, thank you very much. Aaron's preempting me. Um, Aaron should probably be here, standing where I am. When you do build faithfully on a foundation of Jesus, with him as the cornerstone, it affects the way that you see people and performance and preference. It really does. And here's, here's how it does. It changes the way you see people because they're no longer competition they're no longer people to manipulate. They're no longer people who you kind of try and control so that you get to do your thing. They're no longer people who are minions. <laughs> They're no longer people who are just, you know, a, a gateway to you getting fulfilled somehow. They are chosen and precious like you, like Jesus. So the people around you, the people who annoy you the most, like we looked at earlier on, are chosen and precious in God's sight. And when you understand that, it changes the way that you handle other people. It changes the way that you treat other people in the life of the church. I was telling Joe the other day, sometimes people have asked me, as a, as a pastor, how, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that issue? And there can be a lot of talk about dealing with issues and dealing with things. But really, the, the, the point in church is that you, it's how you treat other people. It's how you treat people like Jesus. It's how you be Christ to them. It's how you honor them as Christ to you as part of the body, as Christ in them, and Christ being all. I mean, that's, that's a massive, massive thing. But when we think in terms of me and, and my stuff, we, don't, we forget that. No, 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 this, this person is, Gary, mate, you are chosen and precious. I know. A chosen and precious living stone. So maybe Gary and I have a, a falling out about something, um, like Man City and Man United, I don't know. And, and we, we have a row that, the way, that, the way that we work that out is that this is not what I'm going to never speak to him now because, well, he upset me. I'll leave him alone. Now, I want to build with him because, well, Christ is in him and Christ is in me. And we're building together on a foundation of Jesus. So, so I'm going to treat him as chosen and precious. I'm not going to treat him as the scum of the earth. I'm not going to treat him as, like, as someone who I, I can't stand. I'm going to love him. I'm going re- to recognize, well, Jesus is in this person. So I must treat him right. I must put relational things right because it's not just about sucking it up and dealing with people. It's about loving Jesus. So I'm going to put that relationship right by doing that. Where are we going? Green Hill. <laughs> Boom. Thank you very much. That's wonderful. <coughs> As I said to you earlier on, when... Jesus was baptized. The Father says, this is my beloved Son, with whom I'm well pleased. When you realize he says that about you, and he says that about the person who you're best friends with, and the person that you just had a massive row with, 
It changes how you relate to them. There's no professionals in the life of the church. There's, there's no power structure. There's no thing where the elders are the kind of top dogs and, and, and we all just, you know, we're just doing what they say. Actually, the elders are the bottom dogs. They're the bottom of the pile because they're the ones that serve everybody. Sometimes that question comes up, doesn't there, about, you know, why don't you have any female elders? And without making it a whole other sermon or series of sermons, it's, sometimes I want to say, well, why, why do you want to be the bottom of the pile? Do you want to be the servant of everybody? Look, there's these great guys who actually they're pouring out their life to serve the church. They're not the top. It's not this kind of, I've got an ambition to be an elder so I can boss people around and have an office with two windows. <laughs> Away from the basement. <laughs> Eldership is serving, pouring out your life. There's no power structure thing going on. It means that we've got to break down cliques. Clicks? Do you call it clicks? Clicks. Divisions, party spirit, all that stuff has to go. Because you are, you are treating people, you're learning to treat people as Christ. Because he's in them and he is, you are him to them and vice versa. Yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. Joe, did, oh, why? <laughs> hello, hello. I could just yell. That's easier. Is that better? Speak louder. Sorry, it's two preachers in a row, and it's hot, and I'm starting to flag slightly with that. So look, one of the, the vast majority, I think, of, of the struggles and the battles relationally in church life arise from, the under, from people not understanding and grasping this thing that God calls them chosen and precious, so they don't need to fight to prove themselves. They don't need to prove anything. They don't need to prove themselves in any area, in any way, shape, or form. And neither do they need to compete and slam against other people who they see as maybe in the way of them fulfilling their stuff, right? When we learn that Christ is in you, so I'm going to change my attitude towards you and treat you as I would Jesus. Wow, that transforms the whole shooting match. That's the way to transform small group life, Sundays, life in the city, the whole thing. It sets us free from being judgmental, critical, arrogant, divisive, slandering, gossiping, deceit, envy, all those things. When we get it, wow, I'm building on on Jesus, I'm building with other people. They're chosen and precious like me. How can I possibly treat them as though they don't count? How can I possibly not love or serve them? Because they, like me, were nothing and are now something because we're in Christ together. It's how we build. Right, is that louder for you? All right, good. Thank you very much. All right, okay, go on then. <laughs> Elevator music. I have a funky ear. Thank but you. You're Jane. secure in Christ. Yes. So that's okay. <laughs> there. That All right. I don't know. Is that better? Hey. Look at that. Wow. Man, thanks, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> the Christ in me honors the Christ in you, Joe. That's, that's a beautiful thing. Okay. Look, I've kind of thrashed that point to death. So let's, let's, let's look at the next thing. Uh, we did performance serving. Oh, did we? No, we didn't. We were kind of on. No, we, sorry, we didn't. Right, this is the next one, performance. Oh, help us, Jesus. Um, I did talk about this. Oh, okay. 
You're going to. Good, good, good. Um, so, so serving then is not you turning up your gift and trying to bang your way in. It emerges out of your relationships. Okay? It emerges out of how you're building on Jesus with other people. That's, that's it, right? Okay, said enough about that. <laughs> Let's go. Let's move on. Preference changes because when you understand you're chosen and precious, you're building with other people, it's not about striving, performing, it's about relationship, it's about being built on Christ with other people, then it changes how you think. And you no longer view church as this thing that I get to suck from, but I'm part of a community where I'm working for its blessing and its upbuilding. So it turns into mission. It turns into being outward-focused, others-centered, rather than being about me and getting my stuff. It, beca- it turns into something that is thinking about blessing the city and the nations, not about keeping this thing. We've got to protect the gospel as though it was like a tiny little baby that's vulnerable, that hasn't had any jabs yet. We've got to look after it. Because if anyone else gets near it, it's going to get contaminated. No, it's about giving and loving and blessing. So it's a tragedy then. When people bail out of church life, when their small preference for something gets unsettled. So when the... Has this gone again? Ah. So when... Uh, okay, I'm just going to... Have you got a handheld? Let me use a handheld. Yeah. How does this work? <laughs> there we go. Got it? <laughs> like I said yesterday, street. Oh, dear, dear. It's a tragedy when people bail out because their small preference gets disrupted somehow. And I don't know where you're at, but as the elders seek God and pray and lead this church, they're not thinking about keeping everybody's tiny preference happy. An elder's role is not to make everybody happy in church life. I mean, that's a hiding to nothing. Keeping every, you can't make everybody happy all the time. We're looking to honor Jesus. We're talking about serving and obeying Jesus, building on this foundation of him as the cornerstone, helping other people to build on him, looking at what he's building and trying to follow suit. And so that means being an outward-focused, others-loving, non-Christian-serving and blessing, city-blessing, church-planting people that is on the go, is on the move, it's not about preservation and keeping this thing all tidy and neat and for us. But it's saying, well, how can, we, how can we build this thing so that others who are outside at the moment get blessed and get enriched and get built up? It's really sad. When you, when you look in the Old Testament, you read what Samuel says about King Saul. And there's this description of Saul. And it basically says he will take, 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 he will take. And it's like there's no comment made on it. There's no comment in the text about that. The, the, the writer just says it how it is. That's, that's what Samuel said. And there's this picture of this king, this leader, and it's just all that taking, 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 taking. And then you contrast that with David, and it's giving and blessing and loving and building. Don't be in church just to take. Be in church to give, to serve, to love, to be part of this thing. Don't be on the take. That's just, it's horrible. There's a bad taste in the mouth in the end. So give, love. Peter describes the church as a holy priesthood. This is kind of where we're going to finish off on this. How long have I got till? 12? Yeah? Okay. okay. <laughs> Whatever I want. That's a dangerous thing to say to a preacher. However long you want, 
Okay. Peter describes the church as a priesthood, a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Uh, and this is a massive thing. We're going to finish on the, this idea of priesthood and, uh, and, uh, and what that looks like. The scriptural background to the, this passage is Exodus 19, where, uh, where God promises Moses a, a nation of priests, a, a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. Um, you may recall the broader context of the Old Testament is, this, is God's call of Abraham to be a blessing to the nations, all the clans of the earth. God called Abraham, his descendants, Israel as a nation, to be a light to the nations. And so the whole idea of priesthood in this wider context is not just about being a religious people who are kind of keeping to ourselves and doing our own religious thing. It's about the blessing of the world. And so when Peter talks about the church as a royal priesthood, he's not simply referring to the church being religious people who do meetings on Sunday and do weird things like hold their hands in the air and sing songs. He's talking about them partly being a blessing to the world. So what I want to do, just as we close, is look at three areas of, uh, of what, what it means to be a royal priesthood, what a royal priesthood looks like, how it operates, how it functions, and how we together, as we build on Jesus, the high priest, the great priest, as we build together, as this temple in the Lord emerges, how we become this, what this royal priesthood looks like. And the first thing is this, a priesthood ministers to God. A priesthood, first of all, ministers to God. The priests offered sacrifices, they worshipped, they represented the people, but they were worshipping God. And so our first call as believers is we build on Jesus, we build, build together, is we worship him. And we build the church by worshipping as a royal priesthood, celebrating God, celebrating his goodness, celebrating his grace, celebrating the gospel, celebrating his purpose to unite all things under the headship of Christ. We minister to him as a royal priesthood. Secondly, we minister to one another. We minister to the other saints, the other royal priests, the other chosen and precious living stones in Christ Jesus. Not simply vertical, as though we just thank God and we don't care about our brothers. We worship God, we serve and love one another. A royal priesthood ministering to God, ministering to one another. And then finally, we minister to the world. This is so significant. Priest represents people before God. In the Old Testament, the high priest, once a year, entered into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was, God's dynamic presence dwelling there to represent the whole nation of Israel in one person, one man. So the high priest goes in. He represents the people. He carried on his chest this breastplate that had 12 precious stones in, in it that represented the people of God. He had these two shoulder pads that represent, that had the, the names of the tribes of Israel engraved on his shoulders. You know, we sing that song, my name is written on his hands and everything. It's speaking of the priesthood. He, he enters in to God's presence, representing the whole nation of Israel, making intercession, gathering up their worship, their, in their, their sins, their needs, and, and coming before God, making atonement, and then coming out of the most holy place and saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. This incredible thing. The high priest is a representative. Now, Jesus, Hebrews says, is our high priest who represents us before the Father. So we have one who gathers up our worship, however flaky and inconsistent it might feel or be, and offers it to the Father as his 
For the Father accepts your flaky worship, your inconsistent, weary, I didn't get much sleep, I'm tired, I'm in a bad mood worship today, and presents it to the Father as his. And his perfect worship becomes yours by faith because he represents you before the Father. Get it? Right? The high priest. Now, if we're a nation of priests, part of the call on us as the church, as a royal priesthood, is to represent the world before God. So we need to be a people, brothers and sisters, who carry close to our hearts the needs, the sins, the brokenness of the world. Just as the the high priest carries on his heart the names of the tribes of Israel, brings them into the presence of God, so we too bring the world before God in prayer. We carry it close to our hearts. We carry it on our shoulders. We need to feel the weight of this priestly responsibility to bless the world, God's intention to bless the nations. We carry it. We own it. Do you you feel it? Do you feel it in your heart? Do you feel the priestly responsibility to be a people who are representing Fredericton before God in prayer? I wonder. Or Canada, because that's a part of it. It's not just religious duty, me and God. It is that. It's one another, and it's the world as well. There's a representation thing that happens as we become a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood being built together on the foundation of Jesus. What it will mean as we build on him is that we'll become Christ to the world. And I think some places are fed up of hearing people talking about Jesus to them and are really, really, really eager for a bunch of people who are just going to be Jesus to them. I've got to stop talking about it all the time as though, you know, we, we, we absolve the responsibility to be Christ to you because we've told you about Christ. We've told you about him. Now we don't need to worry about being him. No, you tell him about him, tell the world about him, but you be Christ as well. And the two things together come with a lot more weight, right? So royal priests, chosen and precious living stones, people being built together as a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is who we are. We're being built together, being built on Christ. We don't build just on people. We don't build on our performance. We don't build on our preference. When we build on Jesus, all those things get transformed, and so we're precious and chosen to one another. We serve by the Spirit and grace out of relationship. And we become a priesthood on mission with Jesus together rather than a people who are all about taking and grabbing, right?